You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. As you well know, I'm more accustomed to being on that side of the podium as opposed to this side. But I have a unique opportunity this morning to share with you just a little bit about a ministry that I'm very passionate about, and that's the Gideon ministry. But before we go into our study, let's just have a short word of prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we recognize, God, how much we need you each and every day. We thank you for your blessings, for your grace, the mercy that you show us, allowing us, God, to be able to gather cooperatively to pray and to seek your face. We pray that you would anoint us this morning, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move throughout our midst. Help us to say that which you would have us say. Help us to do that which you would have us do. And help us always to give you the honor and the glory forevermore. Amen. All right, I want to start out this morning, and I'm going to need your help throughout this study, okay? I need you to help me. Not only by praying for me, but there's going to be some survey questions interspersed throughout our study. So if you would, help me out. Some of those will be by a show of hands. Some of them may be just by a yes or no answer. But our first survey question this morning is, how many of you have ever spent the night in a hotel or motel? Now, these are real simple questions, okay? (laughs) Not very hard, okay. Survey question number two. And again, with a show of hands, How many of you, having spent the night in a hotel or motel, have found a Bible there in your room? Great. Most of you, if you can remember this, a book that looked very similar to this one, and it may have even had a gold embossed logo on the front of it. That's the Gideon logo. That book was more than not placed there by Gideon's International. So to simplify our study this morning, and I'm going to talk a little bit this morning more than just about the Gideons too, but our study has been broken down into five simple themes. Five simple themes. The first theme is who the Gideons are. The second one is the Gideons' mission. The third is God's invitation and promise. The fourth the necessity of the Bible, and filth, how best to support the Gideon ministry. Now let's, let's take up that first thing, who the Gideons are. The Gideons are an international and interdenominational association of Christian business and professional men who are members of Protestant evangelical churches, just like our church. The notion of business and professional men banding together to pray, to read, and to distribute Bibles was the brainchild of two men way back in 1898. A year later, a third man joined them, and the Gideons International was birthed. And the Gideons International became a missionary arm of the Protestant church. We're simply here as basically missionaries to a lost and dying world. The second theme is Gideon's mission. What is our mission in the world? Our primary mission is the winning of lost souls to Jesus Christ. 
That's our primary and our most important mission, the winning of lost souls to Jesus Christ. And we do that through personal witnessing and two, what we're probably most known for, the distribution of Bibles, either domestically or in foreign countries. Gideons are able to take the Word of God to places that individual churches and denominations may not be able to and to thus carry the gospel to the far reaches of the earth. Gideon's work on the cutting edge of evangelism where thousands of times every day someone will have their first encounter with the word of God through contact by a Gideon. Survey question number three. And this is in three parts, a little lengthy, so bear with me. I'll read the question in its entirety and explain it, then we'll come back and answer its parts. Third question. Regarding the Gideon's ministry, are you A, familiar with, B, somewhat familiar with, or C, not familiar at all? Now let me go back. Can you help me out? Raise your hands, whichever one applies to you. Regarding the Gideon ministry, are you familiar with? In other words, you know a lot about it. You know about the Gideons. Okay, thank you. Maybe you're just a little bit familiar. You've heard of them, but really don't know who they are. Okay, good. Or lastly, you've never heard of the Gideons at all. Okay. I mean, that, that's okay. That's, that's how we are in the world. We know sometimes we don't get the message out very well. And this helps me to better understand where we are. The next thing I want us to do is to consider our third theme, God's invitation and promise. Isaiah 55, 11 is one of the foundational scriptures for the Gideons. So if you have your Bible, turn with me this morning to Isaiah 55, and we'll begin with verse 3. Isaiah 55 and verse 3. I'll give you a little time to get there. And I'll lead into the scripture by saying this. Here, God is speaking specifically to national Israel. But his message, nonetheless, is still relevant for Christians today. So I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. God says... In Isaiah 55, 3, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. God back then and still today is admonishing all people to come to him and hear his word. But is simply hearing or listening enough? I don't think that it is. Notice, if you will, the compulsory implication there in verse 3. Just in verse 3, there are three things that we're told to do. He said, first, incline our ear. Then he said, come. And then he said, do what? Hear what God is saying. What does it mean to incline one's ear? The Hebrew translation for the word incline is natah. It has a variety of applications, but is used here to mean to cause, to yield in obedience to what is being said. We are obliged to come to God, make ourselves available, 
and then to place ourselves submissively before the God of heaven. Now notice, in the King James Version, listen precedes come. And I'm not a Bible scholar and don't claim to be. But I think the intent may very well be to illustrate that we should be inclining ourselves to come to God. We should desire to want to go to God because why? God has the answers. So then we come. We listen and then we come. And then lastly, we hear what God is saying. We are to hear what God is saying. The Hebrew translation for our English word hear is shama. It means to listen and comprehend with intelligence and implies giving one's full attention and obedience to what is said. And what is God's promise if we submit ourselves as he instructs? He promises that our soul will live. And what else does he promise? That he will make an eternal covenant with us. Now, skip down, if you will, to verse 6 there in Isaiah 55. And let's pick up reading from verse 6, and we'll read through verses 6 through 9. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If ever there was a scripture for our day, I think it must be this scripture. God is ever pleading with mankind not only to seek him, but to call upon him. And notice the imperative here. We are to seek God while he may be found. To search for him while he is still close at hand. Friends, there's a real urgency, a real urgency to this message. A person who does not know the God of the universe through his son Jesus the Christ is wasting precious opportunities and drawing ever nearer to ultimate judgment and eternal punishment. Now, folks, I realize that is a serious indictment. It is a very serious indictment. But it's the truth. It's the truth. So let us seek God and repent. Let us forsake our wickedness. And if we do, God promises to do what? To abundantly pardon. We need mercy and pardon. And God is merciful to forgive and pardon, to absolve us of our sins. In verse 8, we hear the emphatic. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And that's a truth that even I can grasp. You know, it's difficult enough for me to try to understand what my wife thinks, much less what God thinks. But not to worry. Brenda helps me to understand what she thinks. <laughs> verse 8 and 9 also tell us that God's ways are far beyond anything we could ever imagine we are limited God is infinite now pay close attention to the next two verses verses 10 and 11 verse 10 for as 
Now, if you're reading the King James, your first two words are for as. So get that. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God tells us that his word goes out. His word goes out. He breathes his word out upon the inhabitants of this world. And we know that his word is what? It's powerful. God's word is powerful. We know his word can and does accomplish mighty things. Now keep that thought in mind. God, God's word accomplishes mighty things. So with that thought in mind, put a bookmark there on Isaiah 55, 11. Keep that spot marked, and we're going to come back to it a little bit later. But for now, let's explore another thing, the necessity of the Bible. The necessity of the Bible. We just discovered that mercy and pardon are predicated upon our acts of repentance and our willingness to forsake our sin. We also found that God is abundantly merciful. But what made it possible for us to discover these truths? I want to ask that question again. What made it possible for us to discover these truths? simply because we have access to the Holy Scriptures. Have you ever thought about that? Certainly, God can impart divine knowledge on whomsoever He chooses. But for the most part, He has made His thoughts available to us in the form of Scripture, the Holy Bible. So let's refocus our attention this morning upon that most holy of books, the Holy Bible. Most, if not all enough, excuse me, most, if not all of us, perhaps were raised not only to respect the Word of God, but to read it and to abide by its teachings. As Christians, we share a profound love for the Bible. And why? Because the Bible provides us with hope, it provides us with encouragement, peace of mind, spiritual strength, and direction. Therefore, for us, the Bible is a spiritual roadmap for our journey through life. And as we stated earlier, the primary reason why this is true is because we have a Bible. No doubt each of us here today has a personal copy of the Word of God. I hope that we do. And not only, not only that, we probably have multiple copies of the Word of God. We're very blessed here in America. And let me say this at this point. If you are here this morning and you do not have a copy of the Bible, if you will see me after church, we will fix that problem. We'll get you a copy, okay? Because we want everybody to have one. But for those of us who do have a Bible, we realize its unique worth And so we cherish it, don't we? We cherish the Word of God. I believe the author of Psalms 119 also recognized this when he penned the words in verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet 
and a light to my path. Just as the writers of the Psalms reflect strong feelings for the Word of God, over the centuries there have been other people, and many people in fact, who have written about their love for the Bible. I particularly appreciate a quote by a man named Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Now Samuel Coleridge was an English poet who lived during the late 18th and early 19th centuries. And his thoughts on scriptures, at least from my perspective, are very astute. Mr. Coleridge said this. He said, I have found in the Bible words for my inmost thoughts, songs for my joy, utterance for my hidden griefs, and pleadings for my shame and feebleness. Let me read that again. I have found in the Bible words for my inmost thoughts, songs for my joy, utterance for my hidden griefs, and pleadings for my shame and feebleness. It seems Mr. Coleridge had a comprehensive understanding of what the Bible says, or at least what it said to him. The next quote that I have comes from the 16th president of the United States. But before we go there, let's do another survey question. Who was the 16th president of the United States? Somebody said it. Abraham Lincoln. I got that from somebody. Thank you for that. Abraham Lincoln. Mr. Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated through this book. All things desirable to men are contained in the Bible. All things desirable to men are contained in the Bible. And our last quote comes from the 17th century English Puritan John Flavel, best known simply as Flavel. He said, and really pick up on this this quote, The scriptures teach us the best way of living, the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. Now that's, that's pretty good. I'm going to read that again. The scriptures teach us the best way of living, the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. As with the others, I think Flavel too had a good grasp of the wisdom and practicality of the word, especially as it applies to the totality of needs in our everyday lives. These three quotes no doubt resonate with all of us. They resonate because we recognize what is being said and we identify with what's being said. Church, God has a divine purpose for his word. God has a divine purpose for his word. And it's vitally important that we recognize what that purpose is. Reading again from Psalms 119, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How can we truly know what God's divine purpose is for us? How can we know what God's divine purpose is for us? By prayer, fasting, seeking the Lord. Also by reading and studying His Word. Just as the psalmist, we too need to hide God's Word in our heart. It needs to take residence in our heart and in our mind. 
in that part that constitutes our innermost being, what the Hebrews called the reins. It needs to take residence there. The word needs to permeate our very consciousness so we can better understand the consequences of sin and the benefits of righteous living. Just as we need the word inside us, so too do countless millions worldwide who as yet have not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now for another survey question. Question number five. And a simple yes or no will do. In this modern age, has the Bible been translated into every known language? No, you're right, not yet. You would think with the age of computers and all that, we could get the Bible in all the languages. But that's not, according to what I read, that's not the case. In fact, according to the American Bible Society, more than half of the world's first languages still do not have a completed Bible translation of their very own. That's more than half of the world's languages. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And folks, even in countries where the Word of God has been translated, there are still millions who do not have a copy of the Bible. Such a simple thing, but they do not even have a copy of the Bible of their very own. And here's just one example. Ethiopia is a country in northeast Africa comprised of approximately 91 million people. 91 million. The Gideon ministry was started there in 1904. And since that time, in over 111 years, over 10 million Bibles have been distributed there. Now, folks, while that may sound like a success story, and in many ways that it is, I want you to notice the deficit. 91 million people, only 10 million Bibles. What's the difference? 81 million. 81 million. That's a staggering number. And that's only in one country. That's just in one country in a world that boasts almost 200 countries or national entities. Now, 81 million is a significant number in another way as well. Last year, Gideon's International was only able to distribute worldwide 81 million Bibles. So I want you to think about this and consider this for a moment. It would have taken all of the Bibles, all of the Bibles distributed by the Gideons last year over the entire world just to meet the need. If you'd been able to concentrate those just in Ethiopia, that would only been enough to meet the need in Ethiopia. That's just one country. And with a world population projected to be 7 trillion people, you can easily understand the enormous need for more and more Bibles. These great fields of people really do exist, folks. And as Jesus told us in John 4 and 35, they are what? They're already white unto harvest. How can the Gideons possibly reach the trillions remaining in the world? How can we get Bibles to all those people? We simply can't. We can't unless. Unless we have the help of fellow Christians. Christians just like you, church, who truly love and care about people. 
Christians just like you who see and understand the urgency of spreading the gospel message to a lost and dying world. Christians just like you who take advantage of the opportunity to support the Gideon ministry. This segues very nicely into our final theme. How best to support the Gideon ministry. And I'll preface my statements by saying this first. It's not all about money, church. Financing, obviously, is important. It's not what's, but it's not what's most important. It's important, but it's not what's most important. So let me share with you three things a person or a church can do to best support the Gideon ministry and support our efforts out in the world. I call them the three P's of Gideon support. The three P's of Gideon support. The first and most important P is pray. Pray for the Gideon ministry. We need God's direction and help in everything that we try to do. And we ask you to petition God on our behalf. In 2 Corinthians 1.11, the Apostle Paul sought the assistance of the Corinthian believers when he wrote to them, you also must help us by prayer. Just as Paul, those many centuries ago, appealed to the Corinthian believers to pray for him, we now ask that you pray for us. And why do we ask that? Because James 5 and 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now the second P, post. And what do I mean by post? I mean mail. We need you to mail Gideon's expression cards. I'm holding one here in my hand now. Gideon, the Gideon card ministry is an integral part of our overall strategy for procuring more and more Bibles. And there are two different types of these cards. There's tribute cards that are in, in memory and recognition, thinking of you and some others, while occasion cards include birthday, anniversary, get well, etc. These cards are priced comparative to other quality greeting cards, but there's one major difference. When you donate money for a Gideon greeting card, that money is used to acquire more and more Bibles. Also, both styles include a short salvation testimony stipulating just how the Bible was made, how the Bible made a positive impact on someone's life. So please remember this, church. The next time you need to mail a greeting card, please consider using a Gideon's greeting card. And if you need more information for that, I'll be glad to talk with you after the service. The third P, the third P is partner. Partner with the Gideon ministry. As individuals, you may not be able to travel to foreign countries. You may not be able to go to prisons or jails or to go to school and college campuses or to place Bibles in hotels or motels or hospitals or nursing homes. But you may be able to financially support a ministry that does. A ministry that touches so many people throughout the world. And your financial support provides so much. Historically, for every $125 we collect, we can buy 100 of these small New Testaments that also includes the Psalms and the Proverbs. 
and they're in different colors. And there are some examples of them back on the table back out in the foyer. But every penny, nickel, dime, or dollar you give goes entirely towards the purchase of new Bibles. There is no percentage deducted for administrative fees or overhead or anything. When we Gideons travel, whether it's to Bible distributions, to church presentations, or whatever, we do so at our own expense. We pay our own way to ensure that 100% of the money that you donate is used to buy Bibles for people who might not be able to get one otherwise. And remember, donations to the Gideons is tax deductible. As an addendum to this last P, we also encourage business and professional men to partner with us by becoming members of Gideon's International. Gideon's membership offers a plethora of opportunities to serve in the kingdom of God. And again, if anyone's interested, I'll be glad to speak with you more on that after the service. In Mark 16 and 15, Jesus commanded his disciples, and church, that includes us as well, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Many opportunities exist for Christians to fulfill the Great Commission. Partnering with the Gideons is just one way. But it is a way that has proven over time to be an, an effective and efficient method in the harvest of lost souls. And remember, too, partnering with the Gideons offers an immense opportunity not only in providing the gospel message to people all over this world, people who need and to those who hunger for the Word of God, but to provide that gospel message written in their own language. That's so important. So who knows, church? A Bible that you sponsor through your benevolence may be the very Bible that is instrumental in another lost soul finding Jesus Christ. Now for another survey question, and please no show of hands unless you just want to, but you remember earlier in our study you were asked to mark the spot in Isaiah 55, 11. So, the, so our, uh, our survey question is, who did that? Okay, Sam's a winner. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Isaiah 55 and 11. And again, I'm reading from the King James Version. So shall, and get that, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. To better understand what God is trying to convey, it's important that we view this verse from a more universal or global perspective. Now, what does that mean? Let's look back further to verse 10. In verse 10 it says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. In the King James Version, the first two words to verse 10 are for as. These two words, for as, tell us as the reader that the premise and truth of this verse support and corroborate the truth that will follow in what? In verse 11. Therefore, for as these things are true in verse 10, 
so as or so shall the following be true in verse 11. Now also in verse 10 we read about the rain and the snow. These are common occurrences affecting life upon this planet. But does it rain on every square inch of the earth's surface? It certainly doesn't all at once anyway, does it? Over time, perhaps, rain may fall on every inch. But we know there are at least some areas that escape rainfall for many, many years. Does it snow on every inch of the earth? Absolutely not. Therefore, again, we realize there are places on this earth that receive very little or no rainfall, and certainly there are places where no snow ever falls. But the Word says that both the rain and the snow fall upon the earth, resulting in the production of plant life, which in turn bears seeds for harvest and ultimately for our food. Though it may not fall on every square inch, overall or universally, rain and snow do come. Video and pictures looking back from outer space help us to understand this a little bit better and helps us to appreciate more our world from a global and universal perspective. We get the big picture. So God's divine design is for the earth to be bountiful and productive. The rain and snow do not return void because they accomplish God's will. This same logic then applies to help us more accurately understand verse 11. Just as the rain and snow clouds move across the earth, so too does God's word empowered by the Holy Spirit move upon mankind. Does that mean that every person throughout history has heard God's word and been saved? Does it mean that every person on earth today is or will be saved? Does it mean that every person in the future will be saved. I hope they have, and I pray they will. And the Bible helps us to understand that. Does it mean that every man that does hear God's word elects to receive? Unfortunately, no. And Matthew 13 helps us to understand that better as well. But overall, universally speaking, people all over the world are hearing and receiving God's word and being saved. I just heard of a missionary journey to Africa just the other day, and they said multitudes are coming to know the Lord there in Africa, and praise God for that. And in the future, no doubt, many people will be saved too. So with that perspective in mind, let's read verses 10 and 11 again, but this time I'm going to read from the New Living, excuse me, the New Living Translation. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Thus the, living, the New Living Translations help clarify the meaning. Therefore, both translations, whether it be the King James or it be the New Living or whatever, they all bear out the truth that God's Word does not return unto Him void. And it does accomplish what He ordains it to in accordance with His divine purpose. So, church, let's embrace that truth. Let us remember we each have a measure of responsibility. We each have our respective part in the kingdom. 
though our parts may and can differ, collectively speaking, we are the body fitly joined together. God has called all of us to work in His kingdom. Therefore, we must be attentive to the move of the Holy Spirit in our own lives so that we can minister to those about us. In closing this morning, I want to thank each of you for your continuing support. In accordance to Pastor McKay's instruction, a table's been set up out in the foyer, and you may have seen it as you were coming in this morning. And displayed on that table is an array of, of handouts that we have, an array of Bibles that we give out. And I want you to look at those as you make your way out this morning. And also on that table is a large wooden box. And it's there for a collection, for the collection of a free will offering. So please pray this morning. Pray and see what God would direct you to do and then give as you feel led. Your contribution means so much, not only to the Paris Gideon camp, who I represent this morning, not only to Gideon's International, but folks, this is the part I want you to get. It means more to those people who will receive Bibles because of your kindness and your benevolence. People need to hear the Word of God. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you just a little about my passion. And I hope that it's your passion too. In fact, it should be the passion of all of us, the winning of lost souls to Jesus Christ. Thank you this morning, and let's close in prayer. I think the, prayer, the, the praise group will be coming back up on stage momentarily. But let us close in prayer. Lord, again, we come before you and we thank you, God, for this opportunity to share a word with my home church, the people that I love and go to church with every, every Sunday and Wednesday and other times of the week. Thank you for their love and their concern and their benevolence and their sharing. God, we know that each and every one of us has a ministry to perform in your kingdom. Help us to be mindful of that. Help us, Lord, to give as you bestow upon us to help others. Lord, help us to be what you would have us to be. Remember our pastor and his family this morning as they're traveling. Lord, give them safety and keep them safe upon the highways and the byways and get them back home at the appointed time. Be with the others that may be out this morning and help them and those who are sick and afflicted in body, God, that they'd be healed. Lord, we know in whom we serve and we know in whom we trust, and that's you. And we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor forevermore. Amen.